What is the No Spin News all about? You know that this is a fact-based analysis news program. You know that. We avoid speculation. We don't do conspiracies here. We don't do party politics here. We're not nonpartisan. That's wrong. Not that. Okay, we are advocates for a stronger America and a more just society. We don't believe in communism. We don't believe in socialism. We don't believe in nihilism. We don't believe in the progressive woke culture. We think it is un-American. We don't support that. So you should know what we are. And it would then crystallize what we do. Listen to the No Spin News. Subscribe to Bill O'Reilly's podcast feed wherever podcasts are available. Welcome back to the Sean Spicer Show. We are 24 hours out from the first Republican debate of the 2024 cycle. If you're not excited, you're in the wrong place. I am so fired up. This is like Christmas in politics for me. But here's the best part. The stage is set. We now know who the eight candidates are. They're going to take the stage tomorrow night. Um, this is going to be big. We're going to break down who made it and who didn't, because I think that's equally as important. Uh, who's not going to be on the stage? I think you know who I'm talking about. Also, the DeSantis campaign super PAC put out this memo that all of the Sunday show pundits went nuts about. I have a take on this that you're not going to hear anywhere else because I just don't think these guys get it. And that's frankly why we do this show, because I'm going to give you an insight that you won't hear anywhere else. I think this is a huge head fake, and I'm going to break this all down from you. Then the other thing is, we're all going to be talking about if Donald Trump's not on the stage, who are we going to be watching? Who are people think are going to be the standout folks? Uh, also, a real big thing I know for so many voters is voter integrity. They don't feel like their vote counts. They don't know why they should vote. We saw the consequences in Georgia last cycle, which resulted in us not taking the Senate. It had major consequences. Well, we're here in Milwaukee, in the state of Wisconsin. Ten electoral votes are at stake. And my gosh, both 2015 cycle when Donald Trump won it and then the 2020 cycle when it went for Joe Biden. We're both on a razor's edge. What is it going to take to put Wisconsin back in the Republican column? We're going to break it all down. I'm Mike Slater from the podcast Politics by Faith. This is a crazy time in our country. It's stressful, a lot of anxiety, and it's going to get worse. And I realized that one of the things that helps me take away the stress is realizing that there's nothing new under the sun. So on this podcast, we take the news of the day and we run it through the Bible and other periods in history to realize that we've been through this before and we can rise above again. Politics by Faith, anywhere you listen to the podcast. Politics by Faith. All right, a lot to get to today, but I got a favor to ask. If you're watching this on YouTube, do me a favor. I'll let you pause for just a second and hit the subscribe button and click the notification button. You never know what's going to be going on. You got a busy life. I know that. You never know if you're going to catch this on the first. Maybe you got it. Channel 347 on DirecTV. I don't know. Maybe you're jumping into the car. You got a lot of things happening. You got to subscribe and hit that notification button so you never miss an episode because you're seeing stuff here that you're not going to see anywhere else. Look, 
Maybe you want to get in the car and you can't watch videos. I get it. Safety's an issue. If you're watching on, you want to hear it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, go subscribe right now. It's so important to the success of the show and independent media. We got to show the corporate overlords that we're actually going to do really well. So I appreciate it. Hit that subscribe button. In fact, I don't care. Maybe you go to YouTube, Rumble, Spotify, hit them all. All right, folks. As I said, we brought the show. We're kicking it off here in Milwaukee for a reason. This debate is setting the stage for where we go forward. Who makes it? Who doesn't? The Iowa caucuses are January 15th. We're months away, but this is really the first cutoff. So this morning, the RNC announced who made the cut, who didn't. Remember three criteria, right? The polling criteria, the donor criteria, and the pledge. We'll get to all that. But the bigger news is who made it officially. A lot of people are saying they made it. Eight candidates officially will be on the stage. Governor Ron DeSantis, Vivek Revaswamy, Mike Pence, Nikki Haley, Tim Scott, Chris Christie, Doug Burgum, the North Carolina, North Dakota governor, right? And then Asa Hutchinson, man, he barely got in there, but he did. Who's out? Probably equally as important. Perry Johnson, he thought he made it. No such luck. Francis Suarez, the mayor of Miami, didn't make it. And talk show host Larry Elder didn't make the cut. By the way, as I said, all these guys thought they made it. They were all saying they were. It'll be interesting what they say now, because one of them in particular, Francis Suarez, the mayor of Miami, we talked to him, as you may recall, out at the Iowa Fair. He had said, if you don't make the debate stage, you should drop out. So the big question I have now is, does he drop out? We'll see. This is going to be a really interesting debate, though. Um, as you know, I managed those debates in 2015. We had two stages in 2015 in Cleveland, the big one, and then we had a, some people called the kids' table. This time, it's just eight on stage. Um, it's a two-hour debate. You take out commercial breaks. It's going to be interesting to see how much time each one has uh, to really make the case and what their strategy is. I think you're going to have half of the folks that think it's a good idea to go after Trump and a few of them who think it's a good idea to pr promote themselves. Here's my take on this, by the way. If you're at one, two, four percent, going after Donald Trump, I don't know what that gets you. I think you're better off actually talking about yourself and trying to get yourself from, say, two to four to maybe six or eight percent. Let's face it. That's where the real movement is going to be, trying to edge somebody else out. By the way, so the debate Wednesday night here in Milwaukee. Thursday, though, when we're all going to be talking about it, and we've got some amazing guests lined up to kind of break down who did well, who didn't, how did Fox do, how did the moderators do, uh, what did the RNCs take, you know, did they do a good job? We got a lot to break down on all this. Um, after the debate. But here's the funny thing. Trump, like he always does, I mean, what a master of marketing Trump is. He just announced last night on Truth Social that he's going to Atlanta Thursday. Well, this isn't like a, like a field trip. He's not going to Atlanta to go shopping or anything. This is because that Fulton County DA requires him to turn himself in to face that indictment before Friday. So what does he do? He counter-programs Thursday. So first, he's going to counter-program on tomorrow night. He's gonna be doing this interview from what we hear with Tucker Carlson. Interestingly, Tucker hasn't said anything. Trump hasn't said anything. But all the speculation, none of which has been denied, is that he's gonna counter-program with Tucker on Twitter with this pre-arranged interview. So it's already been shot. They know what they're gonna say. And they're gonna put it on Twitter so that it counter-programs. And I gotta imagine the numbers are gonna be interesting to see who does better. Now, you're going to hear the mainstream media, by the way, tell you that you can't compare apples to apples on this thing. It's Twitter is very different. 
You know, by the way, here's how they're going to measure by Nielsen ratings. What did Nielsen ratings say? One viewer equals 25,000. This isn't exactly uh, the most scientific way of looking at this. But then they're going to say, well, if you watch it on Twitter, that doesn't equivocate to what you saw on television. I don't care. I think the point is, is that Donald Trump and Tucker Carlson are, are, you know, competing with this. And there's no question. You can't do both at the same time. Maybe some people watch it after I get it or they DVR the debate and watch that after. But you can't kind of watch both at the same time and really pay attention. I get it. You could have your Twitter screen, your screen up watching the thing, but you can't listen to both. I actually will be very intrigued to see how one does versus the other. This is going to be really interesting. Um, I don't know about you. I mean, I'll do both. I'm going to have that on there. You can obviously go back and watch the Trump thing happen over again. I'm sure it'll get captured on Twitter. Same thing with the debate, but I'll be live in the spin room. We're going to talk about that later. We'll talk about that on the show afterwards. Who was in the spin room? Who wasn't? Who won? All that kind of stuff. One of the things that I have found interesting, though, is when the RNC announced you know, I mentioned those three criteria. Where's the loyalty pledge, right? We know Nikki Haley signed it. We saw a couple others, but there were a couple other. Asa Hutchinson in particular said he wouldn't sign it. Did he? No word from the RNC so far. No one in the media is really asking either. I don't know. I don't get this. Why? Did they just not do it? Well, we're going to find out. We'll know more as time goes on, but I find it interesting. The media covers tonight. All right. I want, to, I want to get back to this DeSantis memo, though. The Super put out this memo, right? So they can't coordinate with DeSantis. And in the past, here's how this worked. So Super PACs legally cannot coordinate with federal campaigns. Why? Because they can take as much money as they want. A donor could write a $10 million check, a $100 million check. Campaigns are restricted federally by how much money they can take. $6,600, $3,300 for the primary, $3,300 for the general election. So if you're on the super PAC side, you can't coordinate with them. You can't tell them what ads you're going to run or the strategy or all that kind of stuff. So the workaround in the last couple of cycles has been, well, we'll just sort of let our strategy be known publicly. So let me give you an example. You might set up a public Twitter account and put out memos on that. But before you actually launched your campaign, you told them where to look so that the campaign would actually see what you're doing. It would all be public. It stays completely in line with the law, but you get it? So you're, you're not technically coordinating, but you're telling them what you're doing, right? So you've told them, here's where you can look to see what we're doing. And you just hope that no one else knows about that site. Eventually, usually what happens is it gets exposed during the campaign. But what happened was DeSantis's super PAC, which is run by a guy named Jeff Rowe, who owns a political consulting firm called Axiom Strategies. Jeff's been in the game for cycles. He's a pro. He released the memo stating four key criteria on his own website. And the pundits went nuts. Oh, how stupid is this? I can't believe. And it said things like defend Trump. Talk about personal stories. And everybody said, why would he do this? Here's my take. It's a head fake. What do I mean by that? Everybody said, see, DeSantis is going to defend Trump. The donors got all upset. Everybody said, I can't believe he's going to go on stage and defend Trump. Here is what I guess happens tomorrow night. See, they've head faked everybody. The bar is down here. What they're going to do is come out and punch Trump. They're going to say, I can't believe Donald Trump's here. We need to this. DeSantis needs to shake up the race. He needs to show donors, hey, I got your message. I'm going to take on Donald Trump. I'm tough. I've, I'm the guy that can do this. Don't look at Glenn Youngkin. Don't look at these other places. I'm the guy. 
And what better place to do it than on a debate stage where no one's expecting it? That's my take on this. I think this is a massive, massive head fake because he needs everybody to talk about him after the debate. He needs to know that they got the message that he's not this wallflower, that he's willing to take on Trump to get to the top. Everyone says he's left for dead right now. They want Glenn Youngkin. They want Brian Kemp. And I'm talking about the donor class, not the grassroots. DeSantis has to do something that's going to blow everyone's mind to make all these rich donors come back and fund his super PAC. Keep an eye on that tomorrow. All right, guys, uh, we've got a great interview today. Uh, Brian Schimming is the chairman of the Wisconsin Republican Party. This is a guy that we need to know is on his game. We need to win Wisconsin. I've told you before, eight states are going to decide the general election. And Wisconsin is at the top of the list. Why? In 2015, Donald Trump won Wisconsin by 11,000 votes. 11,000. And on the books, Joe Biden got it for just under 21,000. Think about how close that is. This is a big, big deal. The get out the vote effort, knocking on doors, getting people to show up, chasing them, making sure they return that absentee ballot. It all comes down to a state like Wisconsin. This is crucial. 10 electoral votes are at stake. Think about it. The eight states that I told you are important are total 93 electoral votes. Wisconsin is 10 of them. And what they did in the last cycle was unreal. Wisconsin put out these voter drop boxes. They let people cast their votes as if they were considered disabled, completely violating Wisconsin law. So what is Brian Schimming, the state party chairman, doing to make sure that doesn't happen again? He's going to tell us. What is he doing to get out the vote? He's going to tell us. No matter where you live in this country, what happens in Wisconsin matters. If you want Donald Trump, Nikki Haley, I don't care, any Republican to stop the Biden agenda and take back the White House, this is why Wisconsin matters. Chairman, thanks for welcoming us back to Milwaukee. The last time I was here was actually the last time there was a primary debate. Is that right? Yeah, what, okay. tell me, is it, what, what's yeah. changed? I remember when they used to call Wisconsin flyover country, right? Yeah. yeah. And now in Wisconsin, 12 times in the last 24 years, Sean, we've had races decided in Wisconsin by less than 30,000 votes. Right. There's 6 million people in this state. Uh, 12 races, less than 30,000 votes. So we're a purple state. Protect your dream home with American Family Insurance. And you can weather any storm. You'll also save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote. Find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. So let's talk about two of those races. In 2016, Donald Trump won the state by about 11,000. What was it, like 0.3? Uh, really in close. 2020, in the books, it's a loss of about 21,000. Right. What, 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 were, what was that difference? Why, why the 30,000 vote shift? 
Well, that, that race was, was so close. In fact, there were several different times where the president was ahead, then he's a little behind, then he's a little ahead, then he's a little behind. So I think the concentration on Wisconsin, we had enormous resources from both campaigns pouring in to the state. So when you're down at a tenth of a percent or a half a percent or whatever, who knows what drives it? But I, I, I will say this, we're in a competitive environment right now in Wisconsin. And I always say we're not one of 50 states anymore. We're one of five. You know, it, yeah, it's, I, it's I mean, I have it at eight. I have it at eight, right? I think there, and give or take, there are eight states that are about 93 electoral votes. You guys are 10 of them. There's no question about it. Uh, these 10 electoral votes will be up for grab. What are you doing as chairman to put those 10 electoral votes back in the Republican column? Well, the first thing I do is I talk to folks all over the state. I travel the state a lot, as you know, and, and uh, I say to people, look, if you're for Trump and you have been for Trump, put up the sign, uh, fly the flag, but have a second choice. Okay. And to the other folks, I say, if you're for Nikki Haley or for Governor DeSantis or Tim Scott or Vivek Ramaswamy, great. Put up the sign, fly the flag, but don't say you'll never vote for Donald Trump. Okay. And I, I know that sounds like kind of a generic answer, but, but if we don't have unity in this state behind the candidate, we're not going to win no matter who it is. Okay. So unity keeps it together. Am I wrong that changing demographics and such mean that we have to grow that, though? It's not just the unity. we got to figure out how we get some additional folks to come out. Or is it just a, a, a base plus? Right. The first thing I did, Sean, when I took over as chair, literally that day, is I said I was going to launch an early vote campaign. Okay. Now, only about 27% of Republicans nationally ordinarily look and say, yeah, we're willing to early vote. Right. Uh, what's interesting about that, D Dems out early vote is about two to one. Yet the return rate is about 90% for both parties. So if you vote early, you right. vote. If, you, if you're an early voter in Wisconsin, Sean, if I get you to request that ballot and you send it back in the 90th percentile, if I get enough people to do that, Joe Biden's gone. So make the case right now, the not just in Wisconsin, someone's watching this, who cares where, and says, I don't want to vote early. My ballot is going to get stolen. I think this is ridiculous. Why should I vote early? Give me the case. So we can pair both things. I always say to folks, look, we can walk and chew gum at the same time. We can do early voting and we can do ballot security. In Wisconsin, I'll give you an example. In Wisconsin in the year 2000, uh, or 2020, we had about 1,000 poll workers statewide. Two years later, we increased that by 500%, and we're going to increase that again to about 7,000 this year. We're going to be able to track every early ballot all the way. We're going to have more attorneys, not only on site, but across the state. Okay. We're going to do the list work it takes to do this right. So what I'm saying to folks across the state is, look, if you're an every-time voter, yep. you know, because you really got to tell people why they, you know, they should do this. So if you're in, Sean, if you're a voter in Wisconsin and you vote pretty much with us all the time, uh, well, I, I do in Virginia. You do in Virginia. So let's say I'm in Virginia, and I know that's an issue there too. Um, if you early vote in Virginia and you're usually with us, yep. Um, 
What do I not have to do if I get Sean Spicer's right. early vote? I don't have to email you, I don't have to text you, I don't have to call you, knock on your door, do all of those different things, and do them like 100 times over. Right. So if I can save the resources on you and go to the next voter who's maybe with us half the time, 60, 70% of the time, right. but the, they're either low propensity voters, they don't always vote, right. or to your point, they're new voters. There are hundreds of thousands of people, Sean, in Wisconsin who are 2A, you know, they're, they're about gun rights or maybe they're pro-life or maybe they're conservative on money issues, but they never vote. That's hard for you and I to imagine, right. but there's hundreds of thousands of people in Wisconsin who are watching us right now who don't vote. If I go and get a percentage of those people to vote in Wisconsin, the Democrats are done. And I'll tell you what, Sean, they realize that the week after my convention in La Crosse, Wisconsin, the Democrats had their convention up in Green Bay. The state chair of the Democratic Party said to the press afterwards that they had always enjoyed an advantage in early vote, because Democrats are sure. more likely to do it, but that the Republicans had caught on and they could not expect that. That tells me they're afraid of our people early voting. We do it, they're done. So let me ask you about last election and early voting. When I hear about what happened in Wisconsin, uh, people will say the Dems changed the rules. The Wisconsin Election Commission allowed people to vote in drop boxes in absentee, which was not permitted under Wisconsin law. Right. True or not? Uh, was not, was true, and that's why we went to court. In fact, we've been very, very active in court with the Republican National Committee. Uh, we've been super active in court. Remember, we got drop boxes, we went to the court and got drop boxes banned. We but so, so here's what I don't understand. Let's just play this out for a second. In 2020, under Wisconsin law, were drop boxes legal or not? Uh, I think they were considered legal by the Elections Commission, Correct, but, but they the, weren't but, being used. But, but, they, but they weren't in accordance. I mean, the Election Commission did not do something that was in law. They made a decision that was not rooted in Wisconsin law, correct? Right, and that's why we went after Right, but the funny part is when you listen to a lot of folks on the left talk about the last election, the case they'll say is Donald Trump sued 60 times and lost every time. What I find interesting about Wisconsin is you have these drop boxes put in place. The court doesn't make the case that that was whatever, but then the legislative audit committee after the election says what they did was wrong. Right. So why why did the court not see that? Well, because we have a lot of, a lot of times these decisions, you know, ended up in Dane County Court, the most liberal court in the state in in Madison. So we had to take it knowing full well we'd end up having to now, appeal. Just so I, just from understand, you weren't chairman then, right? I wasn't chairman. Okay, I just want to make sure. But the party uh, is a bunch. So we had to go after this. I, I, I'll okay. give you an whether it's on early vote or on drop boxes or any of those, we were just in court in Brown County last year because the clerk, the Democrat city clerk, did not allow us to poll observe or observe voting on election day, literally did not allow our poll watchers to win in, to, uh, to go in. And so we went to court within an hour or two, got an injunction, forced them to allow poll watchers to observe the process going on. And the city of Green Bay just settled on that. We were, we were due to go to trial yep. in September on that very issue. So I've said to clerks across the state, look, I, I think most clerks are trying to do their job, right? But I've said to clerks across the state and to party activists across the state, look, 
If the other side's breaking the law, I will be in court. And that's what I think a lot of people want to hear. They literally, the thing that I make the case to folks is they did this in plain sight. Yep. In Wisconsin, Nevada, Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania state law, state constitution says you can't vote early. And they just mailed out ballots. Right. I, I just, I, when you guys now meet as a Republican National Committee and as a state chairman, how much of this is, is, a, is part of the focus? Because if we don't fight, if we allow them to change those rules, I don't, I mean, how do we win? Right. Well, I know the RNC is involved in dozens of suits uh, clear across the country. We've been active in court here. So really what I say to other state chairs is don't be afraid to go to court. This is very clear. Uh, you know, I'll give you another example. Because of the pandemic, we had two county clerks right yeah. here in Milwaukee County and in Dane County say that almost a quarter of a million voters could be uh, considered uh, uh, confined, that they wouldn't be able to go. So they could just vote by absentee ballot. Correct. Now, remember, you, and again, I'm not the expert that you are in Wisconsin law, but you have to be infirmed or somehow somehow right. unable to cast a ballot for someone to do it for you, right? Right. And so the what happened is a lot of these people were just deemed. Yes. They were Literally. completely able-bodied. Oh, there. You know, I, just I, like, almost 240,000. But where, with, this is what I think infuriates a lot of people. Where was our side saying, I'm sorry, I'm watching Brian here. He can walk. He's not infirmed. He's not disabled in any way. Why did we let this happen? Yeah, I think the legislative leadership certainly went after it here in Wisconsin, went after the clerks right away. But, but frankly, my attitude as a state chair, and I say this to other state chair, is look, the left is playing for keeps. Yes, this is thank you. This is not a situation where it's, you know, I'm done playing checkers on these issues. And that means if we have to go to court, we're going to go to court. I don't care what the issue is. And I say to clerks, look, if we're all playing by the same book and everyone plays by the law, I'm great. We don't want to have to jump into these things. Right. But don't make any mistakes. Uh, uh, on these issues. If we have to jump in legally, we will do it every single time. But I think the thing that, uh, that frustrates me is that you guys lost a, a gubernatorial race here. You lost a Supreme Court race. Uh, Ohio just lost issue one. Right. Our side keeps falling behind because it's like we don't learn the lesson until after it's too late. And the problem is, and again, this is Ohio, not Wisconsin, there is now going to be a constitutional amendment in Ohio that's going to enshrine abortion because we didn't do enough. And I say we collectively on the right. And I feel like what happens is the left not only wins, but understands how to utilize that time in office to make sure that they stay in power. Hey, this is Vivek Ramaswamy. The media has systematically lied to you. The Hunter Biden laptop story, the origin of COVID-19, the Trump-Russia collusion hoax, or how your money's being spent in Ukraine, enough already with the lies. No more lies, hard truths only. That's what the Truth Podcast is all about. It's not standard conservative talking points. If you want that, go somewhere else. But if you want the hard truth delivered to you in a way that challenges you and will challenge me intellectually, you're not going to find anything like this on the internet. Subscribe to the Truth Podcast today on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Well, I, I always kind of say being a Republican from Madison, Wisconsin, now we're up to one. Uh, being a Republican <laughs> from Madison, Wisconsin, I, I, 
I grew up kind of under the knee, you know, at the knee of not the right, but the left. Yeah. I mean, I, I literally grew up next to the University of Wisconsin campus uh, when the anti-war riots were going on. I've uh, I've done Saul Alinsky workshops. Okay. I've done so. I believe but do we, do, in so, okay, so it. that's a good point. Does our side know what it's like to? I mean, do we have the tools and the training to fight and win? Yeah, I think we're going to be at a point. We're doing it now. I'm doing actually, I'm doing workshops on some of these subjects clear across the state, eight different cities, in the fall, where we're going to say to people, you got to take it to the next level. Right. You you play chess, you're going to lose against, or you play checkers, you're going to lose against a chess player. You, it's just, it's that simple. It's not three level chess. It's it's something we can do. Do you think that when you meet with your colleagues at the RNC, does everybody get that? I think what happens, you know, for, for us in a state as competitive as Wisconsin is, I, I say to people, and I've been doing organizing workshops my whole time in politics, uh, that they can't be afraid to say, oh, here's a rule book or here's something or I'm not sure we'll win in court or whatever. You got to install an attitude. I was a uh, staff director when the Republicans took over the assembly in 1994, and I brought a different attitude to that. We got into the majority for the first time in a quarter century in this state because several of us brought a new attitude, and that was to do what it takes. And that's where I'm at as state chairman. And let me break this down a little further. Obviously, the left is emboldened by this abortion issue. Right. Roe versus Wade, they're scaring the heck out of folks. How is that going to play in a state like Wisconsin? And how big of, I mean, I, I think, how much should we be on offense and crafting messages as a, I mean, because I think there's a lot of folks on the right that end up in the fetal position and say, I don't want to talk about it. What, what do we need to do in a state like Wisconsin when it comes to the issue of life? I think you have to talk about it. Look, I'm, I'm pro-life. I, I emcee the biggest pro-life uh, dinner event here in Milwaukee uh, every year in Wisconsin, but we can't be afraid to talk about it either. And also talk about it in terms of the left pushes that issue. When I debate the state chair of the Democratic Party, that's all he talks about. It doesn't matter what issue it is. Yeah. All he talks well, it about works is abortion. It works for them. But we, when we broaden out, that's making an assumption that every single woman voter is votes on abortion. That's the number one issue, which we see that it is not. So when we talk about a package of issues rather than just one, uh, but I, I don't, I'm not sure we did that in U.S. Senate races across the country last year. I think some of these Senate races need to be more proactive and get to a point where people at least understand what their position is. Because if they don't or they step back because they're afraid of it and say nothing, you lose. Speaking of Senate races, you got one here. Tammy Baldwin's yeah. up. Um, you guys have a great bench. I'm thinking Congressman Style. Um, you, you know, I mean, you, you guys have... Derek Van Orden, a right, lot of great, tough, fabulous. right? Good, young. Style, great. Great. Uh, Gallagher, yep, heading that China, fantastic. Terrific. Why aren't any of them running for the Senate? Well, I think for most folks, a Senate race, you're, you know, you're dropping everything to do two years of fundraising campaign. Almost all those people, I mean, Derek Van Orden will have a very competitive race this yep. time. I think Brian Style will as well. Uh, somebody said to me the other day, they were telling me how tough they thought it would be to beat Tammy Baldwin. And, and I said to them, oh, really? How's U.S. Senator Russ Feingold doing these days? But then why, is it so, why, why isn't someone standing up and saying, okay, let's take her on? Well, we've got candidates that are looking at it that I think will be uh, pretty good candidates. You think actually. you're going to have a good candidate? Oh, oh yeah. Yes, okay. Yeah. And how I much do you think that race is going to cost? Well Oh, I would be surprised if it did not end up being another $100 million race. 
Which we're not used to here, right? No, that's a lot of money. I mean, you can buy a lot of cheese curds for $100 million. You buy a lot of cheese yeah. curds, a lot of beer. For, yeah. uh, for, well, uh, I'll see about the beer part. We'll, we'll test yeah, that yeah, theory. Yeah, as long as you're here. I mean, but you think that you're going to, do, do, do you honestly believe that you can flip that race this year? Yes, I do. You do? Yeah. And do you think that the national folks will give you the attention that you need? I don't think people look at it as a top tier, top three race right away, but I think it will build into one. Sean, Tammy Baldwin is a 95% yeah. vote with Joe Biden in, in a state where we've had tremendous economic problems. I, I always say, look at the polling. What, 37% of Democrats, only 30% of de- 37% of Democrats want Joe Biden to run again, okay? Right. So for Tammy Baldwin to hitch her political wagon to Joe Biden, I'm perfectly fine with that. That helps me. The president was just here. He thinks this is competitive. Yeah, the Democrats understand that Wisconsin, if we're not one of five states, we're like one of one state. I mean, it's the road to the White House, I believe, runs through Wisconsin. And it may be the road to the Senate runs through Wisconsin. I don't think we're that far yet because there's all sorts of races across the country. But I tell people, don't count out our U.S. Senate race. I actually feel better than most. Speaking of not counting out, there's a lot of folks who are making the case that if Donald Trump's the nominee, he can't win. Can Donald Trump win Wisconsin? Yes. Can he win it comfortably? I don't know if he can win it comfortably. I think no matter who it is, I think we're going to have a close race here in Wisconsin. So I'm not sure anybody's going to win comfortably in Wisconsin just because that's not our history. I mean, you think back, George Bush W., uh, Jr., uh, Wisconsin in 2000 and in 2004, very close. As you pointed out, Donald Trump, 16 and 20, both very close. Scott Walker lost by 29,000 or AG lost by 20,000. All these different close races in Wisconsin. I... I say to folks, look at that stage on Wednesday night and say, again, even if you have a favorite, even yep. if it's Donald Trump or whoever it is, look at that stage on Wednesday night and have a second and third choice. My, as I say, my advantage, I think, as state party chair is I, I'm going to have a whole bunch of people on that stage, Sean, who almost any Republican can vote for. And they're stuck with Joe Biden, who only four out of 10 Democrats want to run for re-election. And I understand that's a different question than the head-to-head. I got all that. But but people are not happy. Right. You know, over 65% of the people in this country think the country's on a wrong track. Well, historically, you look over that, you look at that in the last 50 years, when the, when the president is off track, as Joe Biden is in this country, that candidate almost always loses. Yeah. So, so the numbers are there to show that Joe Biden can lose. Sometimes I think Republicans talk themselves out of winning, and uh, I'm not into that. I'm so let, me ask you, let me just ask you about the debate stage, right? Um, Donald Trump's not gonna be here. Right. If you were advising one of these candidates, there's a lot of people who are saying, go after Trump. You gotta go after DeSantis. You gotta go after Vivek Ramaswamy. Right. Or you gotta promote yourself, or maybe some other. What, just generically speaking, you're advising one of, you know, pick a, number, a name out of the hat, and they come to you and say, all right, you know Wisconsin, you've been around the game before, you've, you've been in this, what, what's my strategy going into this debate? What do I wanna come out looking like? What would you tell them? I would tell them a couple things. Number one, the debate on Wednesday night is and is not about Donald Trump. Who it's really about is Joe Biden. What, what, what a candidate on that stage Wednesday night ought to be doing is putting it into the minds of viewers and folks who are there uh, in Milwaukee on Wednesday night that you would be a good contrast to Joe Biden. 
because then the Trump question for folks who are not automatically for Donald Trump mm-hmm. kind of gets secondary. It's not that they don't like him. It's that I, you know, I was with, and I, and I just mentioned this, I was with uh, Governor DeSantis when he was in Wausau a couple of months yep. ago. 600 people there, a lot of Trump people up in northern Wisconsin, north of Wausau and there. I knew dozens and dozens of people, hundreds of people at this event. Uh, a lot of them were Trump folks, good people. I've known them for years. I probably talked, Sean, to 30 people on the way out the door. Not a single one of those people in Wausau that night after the end of the event was criticizing uh, Governor DeSantis. They were all saying, they were Trump folks, yeah. but they were saying... Well, I look, I, I agree with guy. you. I, look, my view is there's no one on that stage. I, the worst Republican is better than the best Democrat. Right. I believe that every one of those folks on that stage would do a better job of pushing our country in the right direction. Um, I just, it's interesting though, I started this telling you about, I'd been here when the last debate was in 2015. I remember it was well attended. It was, um, you know, we we, uh, we had it in the events, was it the Milwaukee Event Center? Yep, yep. Okay. This one, when I read about where it is in terms of the status of it, you're talking, the, at least the local papers are saying thousands of people coming into the city, every hotel room is like, why, what, what made this so much different? Uh, this debate versus then? Yeah. Or just generally? I would say what makes this different is, I mean, look, the, the, the Trump factor is, it's not as if he's just a candidate out of the field, right? I mean, in some ways, he's kind of, in a strange way, a de facto incumbent because Republicans have twice voted overwhelming for him. So in some ways, he comes in a different status. It's not a primary like it was back then. And yet, again, I keep coming back to the fact I got a lot of candidates on that stage that just about any Republican can vote for. So I think this is the opening gun on the rest of this primary and caucus season because it allows everybody to be in a position to go, okay, even if I like Donald Trump, I like that one too. Right. And I like this one, and I like that one. I've, I've spoken at events with, uh, 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 with the ambassador, with you know all sorts of different folks. I did an event uh, uh, with Senator Scott. I mean, these are good people, yeah. they're good debaters, they're good whatever. It's an expectations game. There's a Trump expectation for the debate, right? Part of, you know, even though he's not there, it's going to be part of the debate. Whether right. people like it or not, it's going to be part of the debate. But who breaks through? Does anyone break through? Or does everyone just get their points in? I'm not sure any Republican on that stage has to win, quote, unquote, the but, debate. But, but let's get back to the question I asked you. If you were advising the candidate and you could say, hey, go out there, talk about yourself, talk about, I mean, do you want to, do you want to, here are my accomplishments, here's why I'm great. You can contrast yourself with Biden. You can contrast yourself with Trump or DeSantis or Ramaswamy. What do you think is going to have the most impact on a voter right now? Is it because, and I'm not saying it all has to be one or the other, but I think that, because there might be a mix, but you do the numbers, nine candidates on stage divided by whatever it ends up being like, you know, 90 minutes, you're not getting a ton of time. So strategically speaking, where should a candidate spend their time? helping people watch that debate, imagine them in the ring with Joe Biden. That's what's going to be strong. If somebody thinks they're going to go to that debate and suddenly have You think Joe Biden's ever going to get in the ring with them? What's... You should say, maybe you should change it and say, how do they get in the basement with Joe Biden? They're remodeling the basement as we speak. What you need ultimately is for people to be able to say, I can vote for that person. Because ultimately, if what, let's just play that out. Ultimately, if one of those other people or several of them on the stage get to the point where people watching go, I could vote for that person. I could vote yeah. for that person over 
who benefits from that? They're, they're going to benefit from that without ever mentioning Donald Trump's name yeah. at all. Because people are watching going, okay, I could do that. And I think that's hard to imagine out here because we're kind of living in the in the Trump world of, oh, it's him or nothing else. But, but the truth of the matter is if people watching that debate go, I like that person. Yeah. Oh, you know what? I like that one, too. I like that one, too. They benefit from it. Yeah. Is there a risk of Donald Trump not showing up for the debate? Look, as state chair, I'd love to have him here for the debate. But but the real risk is having other people on the stage look really good. Yeah. Huh. If, if folks so, are kind of planning, waiting for the knockout blow to happen, yeah. some of those, well, you know this, you've done a lot of these. I mean, <laughs> some, some of that, as I read, I mean, so, you know, some of those folks who are sitting there waiting for the knockout blow, there will be other people on that stage that will be just fine to be coat holders waiting for someone else to try to do the knockout blow. Two last questions. Number one, I was in uh, Iowa last week, and everybody's trying to outdo each other, eating pork on a stick. Uh, you know, <laughs> I've been there. okay, corn dogs. What, what do you guys want people to do when they come to Milwaukee? Uh, drink beer. Drink beer. Okay. I will do. I am going to take that to heart. Come on, you need to set an example. All right, I will set. Yeah, yeah, I, I appreciate. Yeah, it. I'm going to yeah. say if I tonight, I'm going to be like, you know, chairman <laughs> of the party. Uh, yeah, you told me. I got to do this. Uh, uh, we got it on tape. Second thing is, you look at Iowa, and I said this to Governor Reynolds. You walk around. People are Iowa nice. It's clean. Yes. It, people are kind. I'm watching us do this interview right now. People are coming down towards us, and they're either going back around. They're going behind. They're kind, good people. Good they're Midwestern. Right. Yeah. What does it take to translate the voting of Iowa, i.e., I think the Democrats have written off a lot of the Midwest. What is it going to take for the folks of Wisconsin to sort of learn what the Democrats have done to the people of Iowa, i.e. forget those key issues that are important to Midwesterners? I think for us, it's going to mean talking to people about what they care about. Look, a lot of times candidates get off on these side issues or they take every exit ramp they can. But the truth of the matter is Joe Biden loses if the Republican candidate identifies with people's everyday lives. Look, we're in an old Rust Belt city here in Milwaukee, right? It's an old Rust Belt city that was brewing uh, cheese, you know, uh, blue collar workers. Ronald Reagan came here all the time. It was, you know, that's, that's kind of old Milwaukee and a lot of it is still there out through this region. Look at the places we're doing better now. We're doing better in northern Wisconsin than we do in some of the suburbs around right. Milwaukee, historically, anyway. So they identify with Wisconsinites the way they identified with Iowa. In Iowa, here's Iowa, 100 counties. If 100 counties 99. in Iowa. 90, is that what yeah, it is? 99. 99. I was just there, I know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I saw one. (laughs) Right. Exactly. And I've been down there. I've been down there some of the caucus and straw polls. I had to be correct. Governor Reynolds, I think, would have taken my uh, cheese cards away. Yeah. My my, pork on a stick away. My old farmer boss in the the, uh, state senate used to say, you know those farmers are conservative in Iowa because they were wearing suspenders and a belt. Yeah, that's right. So we have some of that in Wisconsin, too. But, but, but look, uh, we've been so close so many different times because we go to talk to the people on the streets of Milwaukee about yeah. things that they care about versus taking every exit ramp onto issues or whatever. So, you know, that's what's going to make it. When we identify with voters and talk it to people about what they care about with, with conservative philosophy in mind, we're going to win. I, people ask me all the time, oh, do you think you can win the race in Wisconsin? I have zero doubt. Okay. I honestly, I mean that. Night. I think part of that is putting the right candidate up and putting the right ticket up. The other part is, for me, getting people to early vote in this state 
who are either Republicans or right-of-center folks who haven't voted before. We cause those things to kind of happen in the factory of politics. We're going to win Wisconsin. I'm really convinced of it. All right, let's win Wisconsin, vote early, and have a great debate. Chairman, yeah. thanks for uh, having us out here. I'm so glad looking you forward, I'm looking forward to this debate. Yeah, uh, I think it's going to be terrific. Okay. I, it will be. Imagine us sitting for two hours, sitting to watch two, people on a oh, stage. Oh, no, I can't sit anywhere for two hours. And, and, and you know, your kids aren't involved <laughs> in stage. That's right. Imagine that. I'm excited for it. Thanks yeah, for having us. Too. So glad to have you here. All right. Well, you heard my summary there at the end. I do think that while the debate is crucial um, to kicking off this cycle, I mean, we've already potentially lost three candidates. Uh, Suarez, I don't see how he doesn't drop out because he said he would. Uh, and then these other two. So not a big deal. But it, we're starting down this process. But the bigger point is where we end up. Winning. If we don't win Wisconsin, I don't know how we win. Right? This is crucial. So what he's talking about is what really matters. Getting out the vote, banking those votes. And again, for all of you folks, and I get it, I've heard it and I understand it. People are concerned about the integrity of their vote. But if we don't vote early and bank the vote, I get it, people, I, I just, I've heard. But here's the point, and he brought this up. It costs money to chase your vote, to knock on your door, to call you, to send you more mail and say, hey, are you voting absentee? Bank the vote soon as you can, no matter where you live. But especially if you live in one of these eight states, if you know somebody lives in them, explain to them, get them on board. Think about this just for a second. If we hadn't lost Georgia, do you know none of these nominees would be getting through? But too many people in Georgia said, I don't think my vote will count. I get it. Look at what they did in Wisconsin. They put ballot box, drop boxes all over the place. And, and it wasn't legal. The Legislative Audit Bureau came out after the fact. But there's no recourse. So let's not do it again. Let's get out there and overwhelm them. You heard what he's doing in Wisconsin. We've got to rally once we have a nominee. Get out there and overwhelm. We cannot take four more years of this administration. I just can't do it. Foreign policy-wise, domestic policy-wise, we're going in the wrong direction after eight years of Biden. I don't know that we can come back. So the message that he's sending, I get. We got to do it. All right. So what does this all mean, though? Because tomorrow night is that big debate. I, I mean, look, we'll, it'll be really interesting to see what changes. Does anyone stand out? Do they take my advice here? Or do they just spend their time going after Donald Trump? I don't know. It'll be interesting. Trump, by the way, has sent uh, a lot of surrogates here. Um, and I think it's going to be fascinating. Fox is saying we're not going to let him in the spin room. Okay. I mean, it's their debate. You're not showing up for their debate. But it's going to be really interesting because you got Don Jr. Rumble's a sponsor, right? It's Rumble, Fox. Young America's Foundation. Well, here's my question. Don Jr.'s got a show on Rumble. Kimberly Guilfoyle's got a show on Rumble. So how do you tell them they can't show up at the debate? Maybe they can go in, but they can't go to the spin room. I don't know. But this is going to be really interesting. Trump was going to send a bunch of his surrogates here, campaign people. I mean, we're talking Matt Gates, Carrie Lake, people like that. How do they interact? We're going to talk to them. I'll give you all that insight, what's really happening. So I'm going to try to track them down between now and tomorrow. What is their plan? But all of these things are going to be very interesting. But at the end of the day, do I really think it's going to matter that much? I don't know. I don't think so. I mean, I, I don't see. I mean, look, you had a lot of these folks make it by the skin of their teeth. They're at 1%, 2%. So if they double, they're at what? Six, eight. Trump's well over 50% nationally. 
And in Iowa, he's leading. In New Hampshire, he's leading. Nevada, he's leading. South Carolina, he's leading. He's already said he's not going to the second debate because that's at the Reagan Library, September 27th. So these guys need to stand out. Somebody, I think, breaks away. I don't know if it's Ramaswamy. I'd put my money on him actually climbing a little further. But you notice Ramaswamy's uh, strategy here? He doesn't attack Trump. He doesn't talk bad about him. He talks about himself. Now, do I think he's got what it takes to go the distance? No. But I do think how he grows is going to be important to keep an eye on. Um, I, I think that this is the guy that I'm keeping an eye on. And how many people follow him? Do they just try to shut up? I mean, Chris Christie's on a kamikaze mission. We know that. He's just going, Donald Trump, Donald Trump, bad. I don't know that that gets you more than the 5% that he gets right now. So as I said, we're going to be talking to people. I'm going out to Milwaukee today, around Milwaukee, to the forum. I'm going to talk to the surrogates. We will have all that for you tomorrow. This is the insight that you're not going to see anywhere else. As I told you, these pundits don't know what they're doing. They've never been on a campaign. They've never worked at a debate. So what we're bringing you here is something that you're not going to see anywhere else. It's insight and experience that no one else has. That's not a, a slam on them. That's just a reality. So this is where I think you're going to get insight that no one else will give it. So as I said at the outset, please do me a favor. Obviously, share this. But subscribe and click on the notification button. It totally helps us grow. We need to have your support to do well. And I appreciate it for all of you who've been out there. So again, do it on YouTube. Go to Rumble. But subscribe and click. And then wherever you get your podcasts, the audio version, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, go there, subscribe as well. It totally helps us. All right, I'm Sean Spicer. Thanks for watching. We'll see you back here, right here, ahead of tomorrow's first Republican debate.